All right. Um, I'm not sure how this is my obviously my first time here in this class with you guys. I don't know how the last several weeks have gone, um, but we. Oh, Pat, you're already moving. We're gonna. I don't know if you've done this in, in past weeks. Yeah, if you can move over there, Joanne, that'd be great. We're gonna um, eventually be going through different passages together and reading them in our table, and then doing some some discussions together. So I think having two groups going through that would be great for tonight. So, um, well, yeah, welcome guys to. Uh, I'm not sure what week it is of this class. Week seven. You, we have two more classes after that. Got it. So you're doing a few chapters at a time each week going through the book. Very good. Um, my name is Dylan, and um, I have been at New City. Um, I was telling Pat this. Essentially, um, since my wife and I moved here seven years ago, which there's a longer history to New City, um, but we've been at the, the, the church um, basically since we moved here. We're from Indiana originally, um, and we, we moved here. My wife got a job teaching at Charlotte Christian, and uh, then I got plugged into the church and then working at the church, and um, yeah, we just had our first child um, 11 months ago. He's almost a year. It's crazy. He's really close. Not quite yet, but he's crawling everywhere and um, getting into everything, and Every day, every day is learning something new. And she she has sent me a video today of him like he learned like clapping, and that's just all all he's been doing all day today is just clapping, <laughs> and it's just awesome to watch. Uh, yeah, watch him learn and grow, and um, yeah. So I've been working with the student ministry here. Um, had Joellen's youngest son, well, old or oldest son. Um, yeah, middle child and oldest son, mm-hmm. and then and Vince, her youngest, and he just graduated and is a freshman this year in college, and um, yeah, but I've been in student ministry for, hey, no, you're fine, come on in. Um, yeah, so love, love students and student ministry and, you know, I'll get into to my story here in just a couple of minutes, but that was like high school was when uh, faith became real for me, or I, I started to really understand who Jesus was, um, and so it's just really cool to be able to now work with students and those who are you know living in, in that time right now, and you know asking a lot of questions and trying to figure out how does faith in Scripture apply to real life and what I'm experiencing and. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fun to get to do that with them. Um, but to start off tonight, I uh, just want to ask a question. Um, what's, what's the, if like you're ever going to get a gift card, like what's, what's the place you want a gift card to? Uh, just free for all. Any bookstore? <laughs> that what? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, 
we'll say $100. $100 gift card. Dinner. Got, give me a place. Where, where are you going to dinner? Um, mm. Very good. No, <laughs> uh, Singapore Airlines is rated one of the, um, one of the best airlines oh, in the world. Yeah. Uh, it, won't, it, it won't be anything, but it'd be a discount. It'd be, uh, be discounted, yes. I'm sorry, what did you say? Bar yeah, good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't grow with that one. Yep. Yeah, I would probably say uh, what's that? A baby yeah. Mm. Yeah. Probably, I feel like we're always doing some sort of house project. Mm -hmm. And so either Home Depot or Lowe's, mm -hmm. um, we easily, we spend too much money there. <laughs> uh, so that would be the place I'd want a gift card for. There's always something breaking mm -hmm. or you need to fix, so. That would be mine. Yeah. Uh, well, awesome. Um, so yeah, this week um, we're covering through chapters 10 and 11 from uh, The Jesus I Never Knew. And um, I haven't read this book. I've read chapters 10 and 11, <laughs> but I haven't read the, the ones before it. Um, and I'm just curious to know, as you guys have, have been reading it, uh, or have read some of it up to this point, um, I'd love to know what are what are some key things you guys are taking away from it or some key learnings you've had um, up to this point, um, just because I feel like I'm coming partway through the course and I would just love to hear what you guys are taking away so far. The book specifically is bringing those questions up, or yeah, yeah, or just the discussions in the yeah, yeah. Why, why God would or would not 
Yeah. Yep. Mm, that's good. <laughs> Any others? Any? Yeah, for many people, I think it, there's so much that you can relate to who Jesus was just in the many things he had to experience or yeah, did experience. And uh, from that lens, it does change the way you view him or approach him for sure. Especially, like, we'll get into that tonight. <laughs> um, especially, like, in the, the biggest moments. What, yeah, when you, ex- when you would expect somebody to be there the most. Um, yeah, like, he, he absolutely, Jesus experienced betrayal <laughs> and, and that kind of hurt. Um, and I think what's astounding is, like, his response still, despite all of that. Um, which we will, we will definitely jump into a little late, later tonight. Um, yeah, which I guess is a good transition into it because we, you know, this, the topic for this week is um, the final week of, of Jesus's life. Um, and 
uh, actually, before we get to that, I was, I think, uh, just make sure we're on the, the right page here. Um, I, I'll share just briefly um, my story, and, and then we'll, we'll jump into the, uh, more into the content for this week. But, um, you know, I was um, told as we, you know, preparing for this that uh, people have been sharing their stories a little bit. And um, so, yeah, I, I um, mentioned before, I grew up in Indiana and in a very small town. Um, and we uh, would go to church. My parents, um, man, they, they raised us up to go to church. We were there every single week. Um, my dad was uh, raised Catholic, and my mom was raised Protestant. And so I think the blend of that for our upbringing was, well, we go to church, and there's a, a pretty, like, clear black and white list of like, here's some good things to do. And then here's, here's what you don't do. And Christianity and, and my view of Jesus and, um, my understanding of who God was, was all painted through that lens. Like you go to church, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. And then, um, there's a, a, it's, it's very moralistic. Like there's good things to do. And then there's, you know, there's bad things that you, you just don't do. Um, and right, it was very uh, black and white, right and wrong. And uh, from a young age, I, I missed the heart of a relationship with Jesus. Um, and I missed, you know, what it meant to, um, yeah, to, to know him and to kn- understand the heart of the gospel is in like, when you just are kind of like, man, I've got to do the right things. I've got to make sure I, and I do the right things and don't do the wrong things. It very much becomes about like what I'm doing. <laughs> And um, making sure that I'm, am I doing enough? Is this enough good? And uh, am I keeping up with that? And is, you know, if you have a stack of good things, but then like one bad thing, does that like outweigh it? Like what's, what's the scale? What am I working with here? And it created a lot of confusion. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, I was talking with students this weekend. We had our high school fall retreat. And I think when we have these questions, you either fall one of two ways, like, I'm either gonna press in harder, and I'm gonna try harder, and it's it's again it's all like I gotta make sure I'm doing enough, or we go the opposite direction. And we're like I'm just uh, this is too much. I don't understand it. I'm just backing away, and I'm not gonna engage it because it it doesn't feel attainable or do, like am I gonna is it gonna work at all? And so I think you know I I've wrestled between both of those like oh it's about me trying harder or man this is I'm never going to get there. It's not going to work. God's not going to accept me. I'm just like, what's even, what's even the point <laughs> in trying? But the, the beauty of like the gospel is like, it doesn't matter what you do. Like you can't, there's nothing that we can do enough. There, there's no enough that we can get to that. Like we're actually going to be able to uh, earn salvation <laughs> because we can't, um, we can't earn love when we've already received love. <laughs> And it's all about receiving the gospel, which is, you know, eventually as I was in high school and, um, you know, got connected more with, with friends and actually saw through my friends what 
uh, a relationship with Jesus looked like, I was like, oh my gosh, if that's what it looks like, I've been missing out. <laughs> and that's what I want, that's what I want to, to have and to live with. And ever since then, um, I mean, my life has looked drastically different in terms of like the decisions I've made. I, you know, that led me to um, college and going to a Christian school, which I didn't have any desire to do um, before, but I was like, I just want to keep learning and I want to know what it means to, to follow Jesus and um, to live with him and um, to live out the, you know, the implications of the gospel of like, if, if I'm given new life, if I'm a new person, like I just, I want to live into that even more. And, um, you know, I, I think to where, where I am now and how I have been uh, living with Jesus and, and pursuing after him, you know, one of my favorite passages is becoming John chapter 15. Um, and Jesus, you know, talks about this in other places, but he, he talks about what it means to live connected to him. And he's like, there, there is no life apart from me. There, there's no life apart from living connected with me. And in John chapter 15, he gives the image of vines and branches and um, talks about abiding in him or remaining in him. He's like, if you, if you want to find life, like it's, it's only through being connected with me. And that is a, that's a daily um, moment to moment dependence on, um, I mean, it, Jesus is all that I have and all that, and truly all that I need. And, um, uh, I, I think the Christian life is just learning each and every day to live more f- faithfully and fully into that. Like I, Jesus is all I have. Jesus is all that I need. I'm fully dependent on him, um, to provide, to work. And it's like, there's nothing that I can do. And that's the heart of the gospel is there's nothing that we can do, um, to earn our way back to God. Um, but I think like the story of the prodigal son, we like get to the end of ourselves and realize, uh, I, I tried my way and it didn't work. And, but I've, I remember there's like, there might be a place for me back home and I'm going to, I'm just going to go back and, and see, like not even try to retain my, my status as a son, but may, maybe I'll have food if I just go back. And on the way back, you see the heart of God running back after you and, and bringing you in and, um, and accepting you, <laughs> not for anything that you've done, but just simply for returning. And, uh, so I, I think like that's, I'm learning to live in a relationship like that, where it's, man, Jesus is calling us back. He's teaching us what it looks like to live with God as a father. And, um, like for that to be what, what sustains us and what drives us and motivates us in all that we do. Um, and so it's been a journey for sure. (laughs) Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for how God has worked and brought me to, to this point and um yeah it's every single day depending on jesus abiding with jesus um because he, he alone is the source of life the world says there's a, a million different ways to find life to to be satisfied to be fulfilled um but every single one of those is going to fall short it's only only jesus so Mm-hmm. And coming to relationship. Yeah. There's just like a, a 
third piece that Mike just threw up in there, push from home, they don't understand the job piece of everything. Mm-hmm. No legalism. Yeah. And um, I think when, like I came out of public law, and there was so much freedom in the relationship aspect. Mm-hmm. It's not what you can do. Yeah. It's how you are. Yeah. Well said. Um, yeah, well said. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to be here with you guys. Thanks for listening to that. And um, looking forward to jumping into the content for tonight. So, um, yeah, back to where we were. So tonight we're walking through the, the trials or the Jesus's final week which um, is, is often referred to as the Passion Week. And passion uh, simply is um, a word that means, well, from, it, it's derived from the Latin, which uh, means suffering. And so the Passion Week of Jesus is, is really focusing in on um, the suffering of Jesus and, and the, the things that led up to the the suffering, the crucifixion, the death of Jesus, and, and most all, most all of that um, takes place within uh, the the last week of Jesus's life. Um, and what's interesting, and I think Yancey notes this in in the the reading, um, you know, when you read different biographies of of people or accounts of different uh, people's lives, like very a very marginal part of it is spent on somebody's death. Um, but when, we, when you read through the, the gospel accounts, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like almost a third of each one dedicates time to the, the death of Jesus and the, like, the implications of it because there's, there's something so significant taking place in, in the death of Jesus and the events that lead up to it. Um, and so there are three words that we'll see what, what, where we get to time-wise towards the end. We might like dig into these a little bit deeper, but three words to dig into uh, for who Jesus is. Um, and, you know, luckily they all start with R. Um, so Jesus is Redeemer, Jesus is Reconciler, and Jesus is Restorer. And, um, you know, the the most basic definition for each of these right now, um, you know, Jesus as redeemer to redeem something. That's, this is where the gift card question came in at the beginning, uh, redeeming a gift card. <laughs> um, but to, to redeem something, um, really is to, to, to bring something back in. So Jesus, uh, laying down his life in order to, uh, redeem ours from death, to, to transfer us from death to life. Um, Jesus is the redeemer in that, in that way. Um, and that, uh, is a huge thing that's, that's taking place within the passion week. <laughs> you know, why did Jesus die? Well, uh, because he's, he's, um, trying to bring back what, what has been lost and what's been, uh, what has been broken through, through, because of the, uh, effects of sin, which leads to the second one of Jesus as reconciler. Jesus, uh, is a reconciler in the sense that he is 
uh, uh, well, not restoring, that's the third one, reconciling what's been broken in terms of the relationship between God and creation, God and humanity specifically. Um, and only, um, only through, through Jesus's death is that actually possible. Um, for God to be reconciled back to man. Um, and it's interesting to point out, it's actually not that, it's actually we are being reconciled back to God. God isn't the one who, who offended. God isn't the one who uh, is at fault. It is ours. Yet God is the one who initiates and, and moves towards us in love. While we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us um, so that we might be reconciled back to God. Um, and so in, in that, uh, re reconciling the relationship with Jesus, which then leads to, um, very closely related still, but Jesus as restorer. And so Jesus comes and restores us, um, back to God, to the, to the kingdom. Um, and I think in a, in a way restores us to who we, who we are created to be, um, people who are, uh, well, we all, we all always bear the image of God, but we bear the image of God now in a way that we can actually live out what we're called to do. Um, created to not live for ourselves, not to build our own kingdoms, but we, we now uh, live for God's glory. We live to uh, uh, for God's uh, good and for the good of others and to reflect God's goodness and his glory to the world around us. That's what we were created to do in the beginning. Um, but sin completely inverted that and inverted the hearts of man onto themselves. And so we started to live for ourselves and to, to live uh, sinfully and selfishly. Um, but now in, a, in this restoration, um, we're given, like we are created new. We are new creatures um, with new hearts able to live differently um, because we've been restored through the work of, of Jesus. Um, and all of that comes through in in this passion uh, passion week, this uh, week of of suffering, and uh, ultimately that leads to his not just his death, but also uh, most importantly his resurrection. So, any questions or thoughts you guys have on that? Um, feel I would love for this to like to be dialogue and discussion. So, if you have thoughts or questions, like you don't have to or don't feel like you have to wait. Just like just jump in and let's. Let's talk about it together. So, so I just had like a light bulb moment when you were talking about the reconciling and Jesus comes to reconcile us with God. All of hell gets loosed for him and his body, right? And I know how that breaks God's heart because everybody has a chance to come to him. It's some choose to go the other way. Mm -hmm. I come from a family of brokenness, and I, again, recently reached out with my hand to help Noah, and yeah. I know how it is for me as a human, how much more yeah. does this shock him mm. when he sees us feeling It's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
for sharing that. The, uh, the beginning of the Passion Week is um, the triumphal entry, which um, it's funny. Uh, again, I think Yancey says this. Um, it's funny, not funny. There's, I think there would be a lot of irony in it if you were there for the first time or like if you were watching it happen. Um, and if you were Jewish, like this, this was packed full of meaning. Like there are scriptures that you, that are uh, rolling through your minds and of prophecies of, you know, the coming king is going to ride in on a donkey, and and he, here it is, it's happening. Like coming through the gates of, of God's city Jerusalem, and people are praising and singing, um, but just like thinking the other side of it, like a Roman official who's watching this happen and you know they know what it looks like for um, the coming king to come in and you know there's there's the king on a a horse or a chariot and then they have with them like all 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 that they've plundered (laughs) and everything that they've won and the the people that they're now taking captive and yet this Jesus is now just like riding in on a donkey and uh, it's like what about this screams anything celebratory? <laughs> um, but there's, there's so much of this that is uh, riddled with, with meaning and um, prophecy that, uh, you know, Jesus the, the, or the Messiah, the coming king is here. But yet even still for them, their, their hopes and their dreams are, are quickly going to be shattered because they're hoping for somebody who's like, Somebody's here finally to overtake Rome, like the the um, the king, the military power. Like, um, like I don't, I'm not sure how this is going to happen with him on a on a donkey, but like Rome is now going to be taken over. We're going to have our rightful place again as you know, like the top nation. Um, and uh, quickly we see that that's not the case. <laughs> um, but let's let's take a few moments um, and let's open up to Matthew chapter 21. And uh, would you here? What would you guys rather do? We can either do this in two tables, or we can just I'll read it all together. Would you guys have a preference? Do it all together. Okay. Um, would somebody want to read chapter Matthew chapter twenty-one verses one through eleven? Thanks, Boo. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew. Oh, I'm in Matthew 22. Sorry, chapter 21. 21, sorry. No, you're good. No worries, no worries. Uh, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, uh, they came to town of Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go to the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. 
They took the cycle of Jonah to his commander. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and the others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowd replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Hmm. Thank you. You No, you're okay, you're okay. Yeah, like the prophecy in verse 5 says, Behold, your king is coming to you humble. Um, but I think that like that picture emphasizes like humility to the max. <laughs> um, just on, on what he's writing. Yeah, so the Romans are looking and they ride on this big white horse. Yeah. Humongous. Yeah. And this big donkey. Yeah. So probably like, what, what's the big deal about this guy? Yeah. All right, what else? Uh, what else do you guys notice in this? Anything's fair game. I'm curious how they say this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. But whenever I heard this story, I always thought I didn't recognize it fully. But then I thought he meant prophet or mm. Jesus from Galilee. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of people, like different things circulating about who Jesus was. Um, But I I mean, I think it's definitely true to say he is a prophet. When you think about different, um, like there are different roles that Jesus fulfills and is kind of like the the pinnacle or the epitome of... um, like he's the the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, the the ultimate king, um, and talking about the different offices that Jesus fulfills, and uh, so you know, like in John chapter four, uh, he has this conversation with the woman at the well, and uh, as the conversation goes on, it's interesting to see that how the the woman's uh, how her view of Jesus changes as they're talking. And so at first, um, uh, she's just like, what are you, like, what are you talking to me for? Like, what are you even doing here? This is not the time that anybody else is at coming to the well. And she's like, I know that. And like, I think there's a reason for that for you too. And he's like, starts to reveal things to her about herself. And she's like, oh, I see that you're a prophet. Um, and then they keep talking even more. And then by the end of the conversation, she's like, you are the Messiah. And so there's, uh, I think for a lot of people, there's this wide spectrum of who is Jesus? Is he a healer? Is he a prophet? No, he's the Messiah. Um, But all of them, I think, are true. 
but sometimes people's like understanding or the crowds in general are just trying to understand who is this? So he's, is he, is he just a prophet? Is he the Messiah? Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it all is true. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else stick out to you guys? Mm-hmm. As if they're all white stuff. Yeah. We'll make a carpet for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I so I'm, I, I can't speak to like all of your past conversations or what you've talked through from the different stories as you've gone through uh, this this course. Um, but there's, there's a key difference in what's happening here. Um, I'm curious if, if you guys notice it all from, uh, if you think back to different stories where um, Jesus heals somebody and they're like, you're the Messiah. And he's very quick to say, don't tell anybody. Or he uh, heals the uh, you know, people of, of demons and the demons know exactly who he is. Um, but it's like, it's not, it's not my time for people to know yet. <laughs> but there's a big difference here where um, it's almost like this is the first time where he's welcoming their, their, their adoration, their praise, and their, their acknowledgement. Like, it's him acknowledging in a way. Um, Great question. Um, obviously, that's the end of healed people, and like they're all excited, maybe. Yeah. Um, I doubt. A, yeah, I doubt a lot of people here hadn't met him. Right. But I think. Um, word of mouth. Word of mouth, mm-hmm. um, especially as you, and especially thinking like what, why there were so many people here at this time was this was the, uh, the Jewish Passover. And so, you know, a lot of people were coming to Jerusalem for this big celebration. Um, And Jesus did a lot of ministry outside of Jerusalem. So there's a lot of people who knew about him and heard of his his teaching and ministry. And you just watch as if you read through the Gospels or, you know, each one individually, like the anticipation grows and grows and grows as the story goes on. And the interest that the crowds have and the wonder of who is this person, um, it's building up as the story goes on and asking this question, like, who is Jesus? Is he just a prophet? Is he the Messiah? And, uh, you know, you get to moments like this where, um, it's seeming like just, there are thousands of people who are here who not necessarily have met Jesus, but already have this idea. We think this, this is the Messiah. Yes. (laughs) They were so worried. They were, yes, extremely worried. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
Exactly. And they, they did not like it. Um, and that, that's a key part in this Passion Week um, where, where things turn is uh, a huge part the response of the Pharisees. Exactly. Yes. Which is, you know, uh, the the human heart is fickle. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, And so, um, and of course, it's you know, if with that many people, it's Mm -hmm. it could be, you know, not exact the exact same people who are shouting Hosanna as he's coming in, Mm -hmm. are the same people. But you know, there's. I think there could be overlap for sure. Um, but it is a very important point to make is, yes, the people at the beginning of the week ushering him in, saying, save us, are the very ones who are yelling to give us Barabbas, the known criminal, and, and crucify, <laughs> crucify Jesus. Um, I love um, it, the way that Luke ends this story, Luke chapter 19. Um, You can turn there if you want, but it's just one quick verse. But Luke basically says the exact same thing, but then says there's a Pharisee. Actually, let's let's turn there. Uh, The Bible says it way better than I can. Um, Luke chapter 19. Uh, Yeah, verses 39 and 40. Um, If you have it, go ahead and read it, Irene. I'm talking about like the Pharisees were there, saw all this happen, and were not happy at all, and even like went up to Jesus and was like, tell them to stop. Like, this is not okay. And Jesus is like, even if even if these people did not acknowledge what was happening right now, the very the very rocks of the earth would cry out in worship. <laughs> and and just saying like the, the magnitude of what was taking place, um, was was so much bigger and and uh like the god of the universe in human flesh um like this was a this was a a huge moment um that that if people did not acknowledge this creation would have acknowledged this which is uh i don't know i think it's i love that verse if you got the pharisees shaking in their boots yeah. And you got the Romans mocking him and laughing hysterically. Yeah. It's a different end of the spectrum. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But both groups might have felt like the mob could count on them, right? That's the Pharisees are like, well, for Passover, what do you Keep the laws down. Yep. This is how it's going to be. Yep. Everybody's paying attention to someone who's coming in with his liberty, Caesar, whoever, mm-hmm. and save them all. Mm-hmm. And so the, the mob could have turned on the Pharisees too. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah, easily could have.
Um, yeah, so a, hu a huge moment in the triumphal entry. And um, there's no doubt that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing <laughs> when he found this cult, when he uh, is, is riding up through... Um, riding up through into into Jerusalem and uh, people shouting Hosanna, which just means like, save us, <laughs> save us, um, Hosanna in the highest. And, uh, and by, by not rebuking it like the Pharisees wanted them to, in that way, acknowledging it and like affirming what they're saying um, really begins to like, to the Pharisees not liking it, this is like where things start to pick up in terms of uh, the Passion Week and, and working towards uh, eventually the, the death um, but resurrection of Jesus. So let's uh, move on to our next portion of the, the Passion Week, which we are going to talk about the, Lord, uh, the Last Supper. Um, so let's go to... John chapter 13 together. And let's read um, verses 1 through 17. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time to tell them the devil had already found his grave, and the final was his power. I'm sorry, Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table and took his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now that I am going, what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash, except for his feet, to be entirely clean. And the disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him, and this is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, because that's what I am. And sincere, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Hmm. Now that you know these things, God bless you for doing them. Thank you. All right. Anything stick out to you guys in that passage at all? What do you notice? 
Or what do you hear? I don't understand what you mean. A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. I mean, I think in, uh, verse 10, verse 10. Uh, I think he's just saying like, when you have, like if you've taken a bath or a shower and you're clean everywhere, but then you go outside and your feet get dirty, like you don't have to necessarily rewash everything, but it's just your feet <laughs> that are unclean. He's alluding to Judas. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, yeah, he's alluding to Judas there. So this is an important <clears throat> time because this is, uh, again, like Passover week. And, and now like the, the evening of, the, of Passover has come. And uh, this, is, this is the upper room where Jesus is with his disciples and they are about to uh, celebrate uh, Passover together. But it's, um, you know, not lost on Jesus. Like what's what's happening here, and the the you know his disciples aren't fully getting it, and you know part of that is to I think how Jesus responds to Peter, where Peter's saying, um, you know, Lord, you wash my feet, and Jesus is like, you what I'm doing, you don't understand right now, but but you're going to understand, like this washing that's taking place, like I'm I'm physically washing your feet here, but there's a a spiritual washing that's going to take place. Uh, and it's actually wrapped into the whole meaning and symbolism of Passover, which is, you know, uh, calling back to when, when Israel was captive in Egypt and uh, uh, God redeems Israel out of Egypt, to use our, our word, redeems them from Egypt. But the way he does that's, you know, he's trying to work with Pharaoh and get Pharaoh to release the uh, release his people to let his people go. But Pharaoh, time after time again, says, nope, 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 nope. And we get to the, you know, all the plagues through all of that. But the final plague is the, uh, you know, the, the death of the firstborn son to any household that's not uh, washed with the, the blood of a, a lamb, like a perfect lame, lamb, um, over the doorframe. Um, and so after that plague, Pharaoh lets the people go and God rescues Egypt. But all of that really is, I mean, a, a, a type of foreshadowing of what is to come, this, this, the true exodus of um, God saving his people from, from not Egypt, but from the, the spiritual bondage of sin and death which only could come from the perfect blood of the Lamb, Jesus. 
um, with his blood, you know, shed on our behalf and received for us. And so all of that is like in, in the background of what is taking place here in this meal and the significance of not just any meal, but the Passover meal that they are celebrating together. And, and so there's no doubt that Jesus knows exactly what's going on here. Even though the disciples don't get it yet, Jesus knows and he's using his words intentionally and talking them through all of this um, and pre- preparing them for, for what's to come. Uh, do you guys have any uh, thoughts or questions on that at all? Yeah, <laughs> I would have been for sure. Um, have you guys ever done a foot washing before or been a part of one? Yeah. I don't think it's, it's not practiced today. Um, and, you know, part of the practice, like this is an ancient practice, and a lot of, because, you know, they wore sandals, or uh, then they had dusty roads, and so you'd walk into somebody's house, and you would wipe your feet off, and then sometimes there would be somebody there who would actually wash your feet for you but this it was never something done uh like it was it was somebody in the household who was um you know their their status was like a servant of the house (laughs) like it was never a member of the house let alone the uh the head of the house um and in this moment you know you hear the the shock and the surprise of the disciples and Peter's like, you will never wash my feet. Like, be, because a, a master, a rabbi, would never come to his, his students and wash their feet. <coughs> Yet, in, in this, like, the, in the person of Jesus, we see, we see, like, okay, so the way that God has revealed himself to, to us, we have general revelation, um, in, in creation and in, um, you know, just like the created order and how we, you know, we, we see God through his, how he's created and um, the beauty of his creation. But this, like, the most significant way that God has revealed himself is, uh, well, through scripture, but then specifically through the person of Jesus. And in Jesus, we see the greatest expression and the fullest expression of the heart of God. And I think this is one of the most profound moments where we see like the heart of God on display in the way that uh, he, he is willing to wash his disciples' feet. And it's, you know, this is a, a cultural act, a cultural, you know, service that's foreign from ours. But you see it in, in the disciples' response, like, th- this is not right. <laughs> like, this is not something for you to do, yet Jesus goes to every single one of them, one by one, uh, they're sitting at this table, and he walks around each one of them and washes their feet. 
and keep in mind, Jesus just said, um, or he, like he, uh, Jesus just said, not all of you are unclean. Like he knows what's about to happen. He knows Judas is about to betray him. Yet Jesus goes to him and washes his feet. And if you just go um, a few, yeah, and then you go down a, f- a few verses later, uh, verse 36, the little caption there is the, t- the title for that section, is uh, Jesus foretells Peter's denial. And he still goes, like, he's like, I know, Peter, that you're going to de- deny me not once, not twice, but three times, and I'm still going to wash your feet. And uh, we're going to talk about the Garden of Gethsemane here in a minute. Um, and after Jesus is arrested, and the, where do the disciples go? They flee. And Jesus still went to every single one of them and washed their feet. And this is such a beautiful expression of the heart of God on display. Show, like, we're, <laughs> like, Joel, like you were sharing earlier, like, how, like, God's love, we, we can't comprehend this amount of love where we're hurt and we're slighted when people don't respond to us to think that in, in the way that we think we should, when people don't respect us, when we are hurt by others. And yet, when that happens to, to God, this is his response still. Love always takes the step towards others. Jesus always takes the step towards others. Like it's in a love that initiates. It's a love that moved towards. Despite what has been done or what will be done, Jesus moves towards them um, to love them and serve them. And ultimately, that's what we see in the cross. But in this moment here, um, you know, I think this, uh, I think Jesus is putting on display here in the Sermon on the Mount. Someone was referencing that earlier today. In the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus talks about what it means to love your enemies. Uh, and this is what, it, like, this is what it, he's showing it. <laughs> and so um, this isn't a practice for us that we do today, washing feet. But I, just a question I have is, you know, what... Um, what might be a thing that could take place of this today? And I think capturing it, the heart of this is, um, the heart of this expression is humble, like a, a loving, humble act of service towards somebody else. Where it's that, like status is not, like it's an evil, even playing field. Uh, like the God of the universe stepping down uh, to take the form of a servant, like the, 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 I think the best, one of the best um, verses, the, I mean, all the verses are great. <laughs> the one, like a passage um, that describes the, the heart and the character of Jesus from Philippians chapter 2. And there's this call that Paul is trying to get uh, through to him. It's like, take on the same attitude of Jesus. And he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. And then he says this, adopt or take on the exact same attitude as Jesus, who existed or existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity 
And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. Like the God of the universe, if there's anybody who has any excuse uh, to not serve other people or to uh, not help other people or not to, like, I I don't need to do that, um, is the one who actually models what it looks like to humble himself, to lower himself um, in order to better, like, to to better us, (laughs) to save us, to teach us what it means to, to love um, and to not count um, ourselves as better than others, um, but others as better than ourselves. And this, I think this story of Jesus washing the feet is such a beautiful portrayal of, of what that looks like. Um, that's the heart of God on display, like in a, in a tangible, tangible way. Um, so yeah, back to, sorry, that was a long way to, set up this question. What, what are ways that we can, like, we're not going to go wash and feed, <laughs> but how can we live in, in a humble, like loving way towards others where it's like, it's not about me. Like there, it's an even playing field. There's no hierarchy here. Like I'm here to serve and I'm willing to lower myself in order to serve somebody else. That's not the way our, our world works. But what could that look like? But they didn't lift up that So we would buy Christmas gifts that could not be used for anything but family time. Um, like we never, we were very careful not to give them a gift card that could go to shoes for the kids. You know, we wanted it, and we would we would do the old ding dong dish, and uh, it's a fun game. Oh yeah, yeah. But you leave these gifts on somebody, and it wasn't for our own glory. You know, it was we wanted to bless somebody completely. Funny it's not much breaking in my own family because hmm. I packed ice, <laughs> and we ended up having to jump in a brook. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. So that you wouldn't get caught. But I finally got found out because of a rope that they used. Mm. A rope, like kindergarten rope. And uh, because we had been abundantly blessed, we choose to abundantly bless you. And it was a no, we want to word abundant. She said, I need you to use this one. Because I guess mom was like, I was a jerk. I, was a, I couldn't get out of that one. But we did it. 
her family that didn't, wouldn't think it was us, and we never just disappear. Mm. We mm. just get it to love on us. We must all fall in love. Mm. I, th- I think like one of our <clears throat> like most prized commodities right now is time. And uh, we live in a like a busy world and you're always doing something. And I, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think I was just, just one thought I had right now of how to, how to live, like live out a, if I'm trying to take on the same attitude of Jesus, I think it's not just in, in my actions, but in my, my thoughts and my feelings. And, um, you know, how, how do I, like, inter- just interacting with other people? Because how many times do I get into a conversation with somebody that's like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> like, I, I'm too busy. Like, I've got the next thing to get to. Um, and we try to get out of that as soon as we can, but it's like, you know, what if, what if I flip that and it's, uh, man, count, count on others is more important than myself. And how actually could this be a, a great way to practice washing, washing somebody's feet, uh, metaphorically, but caring for them and not, not jump into, man, my, my schedule is more important than yours and I've got to, Married forever, so it's like you know, I, 
just never thought of it like I have to tell him she was pretty clean. That yeah. kind of flies loud. Yeah. Right. Because how many people are so uncomfortable with people who are dying? Yeah. I think that as you see the different um, Catholic churches, real protecting their state of like homeless crisis yes. and and stuff are are very prevalent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are the ones that we always like look up last. Yes. And that's the first thing that pops up is those churches. Yeah. Yeah, it just to your point of family, like Jesus' disciples are like, that's his family. <laughs> like those are the people closest to him. Um, and so I think that's a that's a great example of yeah, who are the closest people. sharing that um yeah any other thoughts on the the last supper uh yeah it's quoted on here we read it but i love how jesus ends it he's like since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you ex- an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I just love that, the call. It's not like Jesus is just saying, like, this is what you should do. <laughs> um, and go and do it. But he's like, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the front lines doing it with you. And I'm showing you how it's done. Um, and he, he even says, uh, like, a servant is not, or a ma- Master's not greater than a servant, and the the uh, messengers are (laughs) blundering it. Um, But trying to, yeah, the the heart of it is, um, yeah, nor a messenger greater than the one who who sends him. Um, Jesus isn't calling us or asking him to do something that he hasn't done himself, Um, and that's that's someone worth following.
Um, great. So, that's a great question. There's no, um, no, not that I, I, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't know if that was when his public ministry started at 30, where he's like, this is the time and I know where this is heading. Or, I mean, in his, this is where it's, you know, in his uh, humanity and divinity, like he's fully God and knows all things and he's also human. Did he know the exact time of, you know, um, when things are going to happen. Like there are certainly things shown in scripture where you see glimpses of Jesus having like full divine <laughs> understanding and knowledge and perceiving the hearts and thoughts and of others uh, and not being with them. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if there's, if he had all of that <laughs> or if that was revealed to him at some point from, from the father, but yeah, I don't think we have any indication on that. I know he says many, many, many times, my time is drawing near. Yes. And it's not my time yet. Yes. So, so he stopped. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to do the wine for his mother. Yeah, it's not my time. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And at times he would tell people, don't share this miracle with anyone. Yeah. And at other times he'd say, go tell everybody. And, you know, my time is, is coming to an end. Yeah. And so he definitely knew. Yeah, he definitely knew. Um, I don't know if he knew that all the time or if there's a certain point where that came clear, but yeah, this is a good question. Um, let's, uh, let's skip the, let's go to the trials. Um, I mean, the, the betrayal is, uh, we know of, it's a key part because, uh, Judas deny, or, um, Judas leaves actually from the Last Supper at some point, um, and he goes uh, and grabs the uh, the chief priest to come and to arrest him. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that Judas leaves, but then they leave the dinner and are on their way. Um, to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, and oh, my notes got, oh, here we are. Matthew 26, 36 to 46. Um, so does anybody have that up and ready that would like to read it? Cool, go for it, Matt. Then Jesus sent his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there, while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you 
Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Then he came back. He again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. What do you guys notice in this passage? Or what do you think this passage reveals about Jesus? My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. So if I circle back to kind of ministry and how this... Please do. Yeah, please do. Chapters are laid out. Um, I was just going to say kind of to to talk about that initial reflection question that you asked. One of the things that is interesting is that I feel like in this book, Yancey takes uh, Jesus kind of through the full battery of human emotions pretty much from beginning all the way in almost to right up to the, the conclusion and it kind of draws like a parallel in, in human life too it's like you go from birth and you know all the human things that come along with like pregnancy or or you were saying all the way through you know Jesus's last moments where he he's wanting you know he, he's wanting death mm-hmm. and I mean at this point you haven't reached the resurrection it's, it's just one step beyond humanity yes but as Mm-hmm. Sort of given the Christ-like response um, to the disciples and to his betrayer, you know, he's watched people sleeping. Sort of like what humans do, I've experienced it in God's response to, to all of those things in my life. Yeah, that's great. I think one thing Yancey points out uh, is kind of like there's this moment and you can recall the trials and temptations that Jesus went through when he was uh, like when he started his ministry first and he's baptized and he goes into the wilderness and then he's confronted with by Satan and the, you know turn this rock into bread or here's all the nations of the earth. And all you just have to, to do is bow to me and it's yours. Um, you know, uh, jump from the, the temple here and, you know, your angels will save you. Uh, like he could have used his, um, 
he could have used his power and his authority. I think that if there's any other way to, for his kingdom to come, like he could have done that because he was fully God and in this moment, fully man experiencing the, the pain and the sorrow being confronted with death. Um, yet at the same time is able to pray, uh, Lord, like, Take this cup away, yet not my will, but yours be done. Which I think points to like everything was leading up to it, to this final week and then to, to these moments where like this this was plan A, like for the salvation of the world. Like God, take this from me. Like if there's any way, any other way, like let's do it that way. But if not. I, I like I trust you. Your will be done, because um, th- this was the only way for for there to be any redemption, for there to be any reconciliation, for there to be any restoration. This was the only way for that to be possible. So we see Jesus's humanity, in in his his anguish, in his pain, in the suffering here. Um, and the crying out and the, the betrayal and uh, I'm frustrated because my, my friends can't stay awake when I'm asking them for some help. Um, and I think the, the, the war within of, man, and it's like for us, like, man, God, if there's any other way, I'd rather do something so different or I'd rather my life to be going this way. And it's not like, yet not my will be done, but yours. Um, yeah, again, we see the the heart of, uh, yeah, the heart of Jesus on display here and his willingness to still um, serve people in this way because, like, this is the best way, the only way that he could actually um, to love people, to, to redeem them and restore them. Yeah. Or fight. Or fight. And there he is facing it. And not going. Not not going to run. Yeah. Not going to be disobedient. Yeah. Which like which is so the strength and resolve of that is admirable. Um, what time do you guys normally go to? Eight. Oh, to eight? <laughs> okay. Great. There is. Well, initially Tammy told me that, I thought she said like 8.15. But I was like, ah, surely it's not. That'd be an odd time frame. Eight, eight makes sense. Uh, yeah, well, let's, yeah, it's eight o'clock. We need to end there. Um, what, do you guys have any questions or um, 
Man, I'm sad we didn't get through the most important ones. Um, any questions that this brings up in you or things you are curious about or I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's, uh, Yancey, did, I think he brings up a good point in that movies like to portray uh, Judas as, you know, a money-hungry guy who sees a, a way to, you know, make a quick buck, and so he'll sell out Jesus to get more money, or this conflicted guy and, you know, like who knows exactly, but I think there's also a sense of like, there could be let, like we could attribute less negative motives to him and more of, he could have see, he could see this as like, man, is this a way to like, Jesus is going to be King. Will this help jumpstart it? <laughs> Which again is maybe not the best way to do it. Um, but instead of, I, we don't fully know what his motives are. And does he have free will in it? Uh, that's a, I, a question that we have probably take another hour and a half to cover. No, no, you're fine. Yeah. So relate to money. If you are in a job and they ask you more money, you don't know that. You don't. Mm -hmm. If you are like good deal, you go for the good deal. So it's like like that's what exposed some people's personal ability. Yeah. And some people, not everyone, but some people will do whatever it takes to get their goal. Yeah. Whoever they go or they were saying in the book, so Judah can be the one that they offer him more money for money and he said, Okay, I have a deal. Because
Yeah, I mean, I think, yes, the short answer, yes, God used Judas because, I mean, I think this this all gets to the next part of the story, which I'm sorry we didn't get to. But, like, moving into the trials, like, Jesus was arrested, and they pretty much put on this this trial at night that shouldn't have been convened because they didn't have everybody, but um, it really it really expedited the process towards trying to uh, find a like to trap Jesus or to, to have a, a guilty verdict because they're plotting to kill him and they're just they're trying to find the the one thing they need uh, from him to do that and you know him getting arrested getting to that point I think like got them to that point <laughs> but again like God uses all things um, and he takes even even the worst of situations and he brings beauty and goodness out of it and uh, that's I mean Jesus had to die. <laughs> And so we get to this where it's like, yeah, he had to be betrayed and he got arrested, but all of it led to the thing that it was going to lead to it at some point of Jesus had to die in order for there to be redemption, reconciliation, restoration, and only that through the resurrection. <laughs> um, so all of this had to happen. I think the, the question is, did God make Judas do this? I think, and Yancey brings this up in the book, really there's two two responses like you see Judas and how he didn't I think he probably could have responded and been forgiven <laughs> yet his guilt drove him one direction and but we have the other example of Peter who you know denied Jesus and yet still felt guilty but received the heart of the gospel and was brought back in and so uh, and I think that's how we all live <laughs> like we all have guilt we all have shame but the offer of the gospel is there for all of us. And the question is like, how are we responding to that? Yeah, perhaps I'm missing the story. It's not necessarily an original story. Like there's like a really clear connection with the explanation for the question of Sorry. Did, Judas, did Judas compelled to do this thing like this and driven off the edge to serve God. And maybe it's, maybe it's more like Judas is given an opportunity Well, thank you for tonight. Um, I'd love to, to pray us out. And then, uh, yeah. God, thank you for this evening. And uh, thank you, Lord, for your word. And um, the, the way that we know you through, um, through your story, through these, these gospel stories, and um, Jesus, how you have revealed the very heart of the Father to us. And uh, we thank you for um, the way that you have redeemed us and reconciled us and restored us. And I pray that um, we'll learn how to apply that and live into that more fully, to abide with you, Jesus, and uh, to follow your example that you call us to, um, to adopt the same mind that you have, to consider others as more important than ourselves, um, and to be willing to 
um, lay down our needs for someone else's and to, uh, to love them well. And through that, uh, would they see you through us? Um, we thank you, Lord. Uh, we pray this in your name. Amen.